0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Everybody doing well today? Good, good. Well, welcome. If you don't know who I am, if you haven't met yet, uh, my name is Mike. I am the Worship and Connections pastor here at FCC Um, I know I'm kind of a big guy, but I'm really not that scary. I'm more like a big teddy bear, so please come up and say hi to me if I haven't met you yet. Uh, If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, We're going to be continuing in our series of prayer and fasting this week. Um, I'm really uh, just really excited about this series. So what this is, is this is a four-week journey that we're taking as a church family or as a collective. Uh, And what we're doing is we're taking something out there and we're fasting from it, And we're praying for something. So we're fasting from something specific and praying for something specific. Uh, I'm really excited about this because I think what this four-week series, it's it's a primer for what God is going to do for us. Uh, Primer to the launch pad, so to speak, hopefully, of what God's going to do through us and hopefully through you um, as a church, as a church family, and as people. So um, if you were here last week, um, we were fasting from social media or if you weren't here last week. We were fasting from social media for hearing and knowing God more. So hopefully that time was fruitful. Hopefully you were able to take at least maybe half a day a day, a full day, maybe two days. Maybe maybe you fasted the whole week from social media or any forms of media. And you were able to spend that time and just trying to hear God and know him more. So hopefully that was fruitful for you. What do you do? When you're confronted with your own sin, what do you do when you're confronted with your own sin? Do you hide from it? Do you retreat, hoping that in your retreating, nobody will notice that you sinned? Do you try to cover it up? Maybe you try to flip the tables on the person that's confronting you with that sin and you tell them about their sin. What do you do when you're confronted with your own sin? You know, and I'm talking like, so we talk about sin, it's something as simple as the anger you had from the road rage getting here this morning or the anger that you had because your kids weren't getting ready fast enough. It could be something as simple as that. And maybe, maybe this has happened to you recently. Maybe this is, you know, there's there's been a sin in your life that somebody confronted you about. And now, and and maybe it's that sin that you didn't really like nobody knew about kind of a thing. Maybe it was that one. What did you do in those moments? When you were confronted with your sin, what did you do? Did you repent of that sin? Or did you try to justify yourself? You know, I only looked at that woman lustfully. I didn't actually act on it. I might have, you know... All right, so I might have sent that post out on Facebook. And I know that it was maybe a little... Maybe I was a little mean. But people really needed to hear the truth. People really need to know... That they can't do X, Y, and Z. You see, the problem with this justification is that it can lead to what we're going to call today a trail of sin. That justification can lead to a trail of sin. You know, and I think it's something, you know, that we can look back on, right? So it's, we've committed all these little, little sins... And what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a trail of sins is we've all committed these little sins. And we're walking down the path and we're kind of blind to them. And then we look back we go, oh, that's a lot of sins. You see, today we're going to be looking at someone you might know if you've been in church a time or two. And we're going to be looking at his own trail of sins. We're going to be looking, you know, how far he went down the path. This path of destruction. Before he actually was confronted with his sins, and what and what he did, and and we're going to look more importantly at his response to this. And who I'm talking about is King David. You know who King David is. He was he's the he was God's anointed king. You know he was he was um, he's the guy who killed this big giant guy called Goliath. He was the author of most of the Psalms that are in our Bible. David was a guy who's pretty famous, but he's also pretty infamous because of one thing, and it's and if I say her name, you probably know what I'm talking about, and it's Bathsheba. He's pretty infamous for that. But that was his own trail of sin. You see, David, his name was known across all the land. God had granted him many victories. His enemies knew that God was with him and not to mess with David too much, but they still did. You see, David was rich. He was successful. He was powerful. He was the king of God's people. David had it going on. But David, I think what we will see through the story, is that David, he got lazy. He got complacent. And most importantly, he got prideful. He looked at all all these things that God had given him. He's like, that's pretty good. I did some of that. You see... And now here's the thing before we hate on David too much let me let me just say this we've all been there before and if you haven't been there before you might be there now we've all been in a place where our pride has gotten the best of us and we've fallen flat on our face we've all been there and i know this from personal experience i can tell you a numerous amount of stories from my baseball career where i got a little too prideful and i fell on my face for example getting released <laughs> You see, the problem with our pride is that it damages us. And, it bl- and the damages from our pride are the blindness to the actual pride that's going on in our lives. There's a lot of dangers with this. And that's kind of what we're going to see through David. So David, uh, he had won many victories. He was hanging out in his palace. And springtime came around and they fought in the springtime. That's when they went out and met their enemies because he wants to fight in the winter, let's be honest. And so he's going out to fight his enemies, but instead of doing this, he stays in the palace. And he says, you know what? I've taught Joab quite a bit. My, my commanding general, he can go out there and he knows exactly what I need to do. So I'm going to stay in the palace. I'm going to hang out. And I'm just going to, you know, enjoy the palace life. Well, the problem is that David was used to going out in the spring, he was used to fighting, he was used to the adrenaline that came with it, and I'm sure all the amazing things that came when he won his many victories. And I think what happened when we talk about David getting lazy, right because he was prideful, which led to laziness, which led to restlessness, because he, I think he kind of got bored with the, what we'll call the palace politics. And so it leads to him one night, not being able to sleep, because he's probably been probably restless. And he starts taking a stroll on the roof. And lo and behold, what does he see? He sees a beauty, this beautiful woman bathing. What should he have done? He probably should have looked the other way and said, Oh, he kept going. But what? Did, no, that's not what he did. You see what he actually did was he goes, Hmm, that's a pretty beautiful woman right there. Hey, who is that? Can you figure out who that is? They're like, Oh, well, that's that's Bathsheba. She's the... The wife of Uriah the Hittite, who's fighting off in your wars right now. David goes, Hmm. Yeah, I think I want to meet her. Can you bring her here? And so, what happens is Bathsheba gets summoned to the palace. And now, before we hate on Bathsheba too much, let's think about this. Because Bathsheba gets a bad wrath, right? After this happens in the story, after what about to happen, what I'm about to explain happens, is like she doesn't even get her name mentioned much in the Bible. She's just, The mother of Solomon now. But she gets a bad rap. But think about this. Think about this. If you were in her shoes, if you were a woman at this time and the king summoned you to the palace, the king of Israel, who's also, by the way, King David, what are are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and insult the king? She didn't have a choice. She didn't have much of a choice. She had to go. So that's what she does. She goes to the palace. And what does David do? He uses his power and his influence to seduce her and to sleep with her. Hmm, it's a bad choice. Adultery is a bad choice. And see, David's problem got went from bad to worse. When we figure out that Bathsheba is pregnant. That's a, that's a big problem. See, and this is... so. So we're already seeing... We're already starting to see David's trail of sin, right? He started with looking and lusting, and now it's led to pride and adultery, which has led to a baby. That's a pretty bad trail of sin. And David could have looked at that, and he could have turned and said, you know what, that looks really bad. I need to stop right here. I need to turn around, and I need to face my consequences. But he doesn't do that. No, he doesn't stop there. See, his pride has blinded him. So now what does he do? He goes, ooh, I got a plan. I'm going to invite Uriah the Hittite from the battlefield to the palace. I'm going to make it look like an all-expenses-paid vacation to some tropical destination. It's going to be great. I'll give him a gift, even. And hey, I'll even I'll make sure that he goes and spends time with Bathsheba, so you know they can spend time together. And the the problem with that is that Uriah is a man of integrity. So what happens is Uriah comes to the palace. David invites him and says, "Hey, why don't you?" Uh, Welcome. So so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Why don't you go see your wife and let her wash your feet? I guess that wasn't that funny. funny. Why, don't you, why, don't you, why don't you go see your wife and let her wash your feet? And Uriah goes, uh, okay. So he sends him away and he sends him with that present, that gift. But Uriah stops at the guard house and he sleeps there at the palace doors. He doesn't leave the palace. So David wakes up the next morning says, oh, so how does, how's your night, Uriah? He's like, oh, I just stayed here. It's a great, slept with the guards. <laughs> you see, Uriah was a man of integrity. He couldn't imagine going and sleeping with his wife, or spending time with his wife, when all of his men and all of his brothers in arms were out fighting a battle. He couldn't imagine that being a thing. So what did he do? He slept at the, at the palace doors. So David goes, hmm, Okay. I really need you to go home. So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to have dinner tonight. And see, David's scheming in his head. Hey, with this dinner, what we're going to do is, Hey, servants, make sure that you give Uriah all the wine and make sure his cup is full all night. We're going to make sure that he, you know, gets rid of that integrity thing and goes see his wife. But what we see is that's not the case. Uriah doesn't do that. He goes right back to the palace doors and he sleeps. And again, David could have looked at his trail of sin... And then like, all right, it's time to face the music, it's time to face the noise, it's time to face the repercussions of the things that I've created, but he doesn't do that. He goes so far to send Uriah back to the battlefield, to Joab, with a note. He says, make sure he gets this. And the note says, make sure Uriah goes to the fiercest fighting of the battle. And just kind of let a little bit so that, you know, when the, the fiercest attack comes, he goes, you know, he dies, he gets killed okay so here's the thing David had all these choices he had all these choices in looking back in his trail of sin and he continued in his blindness and his prideful blindness to continue down this trail of sin so he goes from let's just kind of go over his trail list, and he goes from looking and lusting to adultery to pride to murder now, have you ever been there? Maybe not murder, but have you ever been there where you've, had this, you've created this trail of sin, this trail of destruction behind you, and you haven't dealt with it? You know, maybe, maybe it was that one purchase you made where you didn't tell your husband or your wife about it. And you felt kind of good, and like, oh, I was able to buy something, and they didn't even know about it. And what did it lead to? It led to you opening up a credit card in your name, so they didn't know about it, and then continuing your spending habits. And now you're in debt up to your eyeballs. Maybe it was that one innocent innocent picture that you saw on social media or on the internet that led to you going down a rabbit hole, which led to you opening up a foreign website, which led to you subscribing to that foreign website. Maybe... It was that one innocent post that you made, or that your friend made, and then you said something in the comments section that wasn't very nice, and then they said something back that wasn't very nice, which led to a back-and-forth conversation, which is always a great choice on social media. And this led to, now you're not friends anymore over this, because you let your pride get in the way, because you were so angry, because there's a divisiveness in our world right now that you let get inside of you. And now... You've lost a friend. You see, my point with all of this is that it can be pretty easy to stumble down this trail of sin. It can be pretty easy to get on it if we're not careful. If we don't put safeguards in place, if we don't have friends around us. That's why we preach community groups so much here, because it's so important to do life together. We can see this, you know, we can see this on a personal level, right? We can see the sin on a personal level. We can also. We can see this happening in our world too. If you look at our world, like think of think of just the watching a TV show, a good wholesome family TV show. You can hardly find one now that doesn't have any cursing, that doesn't have suggestive outfits by the women, that doesn't have uh, suggestive uh, rhetoric. That doesn't isn't that doesn't have any like you know it's it's not funny like it's funny because of the the, the suggested sexual humor, right? You can hardly find a TV show that doesn't have that anymore. There's no more Full House or Family Matters. And if you got that reference, kudos to you. You know, we've, we've, we're in a world right now where if you offer your own opinion... Then it's likely that somebody is going to fire back at you, and we can't respect each other enough to see the differences and be okay with that. And say, "I know you're this way, and I'm—I this- know you believe this. I believe this, and that's okay. That's okay. I still love you." We're all there's, all there's a bunch of divisiveness. There's a bunch of anger. So I have to ask you again: What do you do when you're confronted with your own sin? What do you do when you're confronted with your own sin? And, and here's the good news. The good news is that there is hope. Okay, There's hope with all of this. In David's story, he has hope. So, uh, And this hope comes from his response when he is confronted with his sin. So what happens is while David might have been blind to his sin, God wasn't blind to it. He knew exactly what was going on. As Aaron just talked about, God knows us intimately. He knows our inward, inner Parts and places, God knows that. So God knew exactly what was going on. So what did He do? He sent His prophet Nathan to come and confront King David. So Nathan goes up to the palace, and David's like, "Hey, Nathan, so great to see you. So glad you're here. Man, it's been a while." And David, and then Nathan goes, "I have to tell you a story." So there was uh, there was a rich man and a poor man, and the rich man had he had all these his livestock and his sheep and and everything and the poor man only had one he only had one sheep and he cared for it he loved it dearly but the rich man he had a feast and he needed something to feed his guests so what did he do he took the poor man's sheep and he slaughtered it and served it to his guests he goes and david gets up and goes how dare he do something like that are you kidding me that guy needs to we need to bring him here and he goes that guy is you what what do you mean nathan that guy's me. I know, and God knows what you did. He knows that you slept with Bathsheba, had a baby, and then you arranged the murder of your He knows this. And because he knows this, listen, I know, I know that we, you know, God protected you from King Saul. He made you into the anointed king. He did all these wonderful things for you, and you weren't willing to acknowledge that. You got lost. And so here's what's going to happen. We're going to take all that away. We're going to take all that away. And David, what does he do? He it's, see, it's in his. Our hope is in his response, and, and our response when we're confronted with sin. He truly repents of that sin. He truly repents of that way of that sin. Now, now you keep hearing me say repent, repent, right? Repent and be baptized. What does repent mean? What does repent mean for you know? You've, maybe you heard it. Maybe we need a reminder. Repent is basically you are walking this way in sin. You realize you're sinning, and you turn and walk the other way, away from it. Repenting is turning away from your sin intentionally. And that was that's what our response needs to be. Our response has to be repentance. and true repentance, we have to turn away from our own trail of sins. And thank God we actually have a pretty good look at what David's response was to his sin. It's in Psalm 51, so if you have your Bibles today, feel free to open Psalm 51. But what we're going to see... In the first 12 verses that we're going to read is David's response. What is his response? He's pouring out his heart to God saying, wash this away from me. My bones are crushed. Please take it away from me. Act, just not act, like, that. act like it didn't happen. Can you just look the other way? I know it happened, God, and I'm so sorry. David's pouring his heart out to God. He's saying, I know I messed up. I know I did. But can you take this away from me? Can you, can you make it so it's not happened? So let's look at verse, uh, verse 1 here. Psalm 51 says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned. And done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born, and I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice Turn, away, you turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. You see, David's desire was for God to wash away all that, to look the other way, Take it away God because it's crushing me and I'm so sorry that I did this. But here's the thing not to miss in verse starts in verse three and four, or verses three and four, but what we see is that David understood that start, start you can start to see the moment where the pride's starting to go away from him. It's verse three it says, "For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me." So David under, he, his blindness was gone. he could finally see his trail of sin. And then he says, in verse 4, Against you, you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. Breaking down walls of pride, so you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. See, David was aware of his sin, and he knew he had to own up to it. And he knew, more importantly, who he had to own up with it. He knew that God was right to judge him for his sin. And you, you need to understand this. We need to understand this as we're looking at this. As human beings, we will mess up. We will mess up. But even if we don't try, we'll still mess up sometimes. That's how things have been in our world since the fall. Since Adam and Eve, and Eve ate, you know, even Adam ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat, and now their eyes were open to sin. So they sinned, right? But see, that's not how things are supposed to be. That's not, how, that's not the original plan. That's not how they were supposed to be. Sin pain, death, all of that, that wasn't supposed to be the way that things were supposed to be. That's not how God made the plan of earth. That's not, that wasn't part of the original plan. God knows this. Okay, God knows this and this is why through His grace and His mercy He sent Jesus to us. Like we have Jesus who became that sin for us. He took on our sin and our shame. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin. That's how much God loves us and desires for us to walk in His ways. But we don't do that. Why? Is it because we, we don't desire to please God? I don't think it's that. I think we do. Wherever you're at in your relationship with Him, I think we all desire to please God at some point. But I think the problem is that the desire to please ourselves... Often outweighs that. It's often here when our desire to please God is here. So this is what we're talking about, right? We're talking about pride. That's what pride looks like when we put our own desires ahead of God's. And you could be the most humble person in this room or on this stream, whether you probably won't say that, but you will still have pride issues. Because that's just the nature, that's our human nature. It happens. We all have our wants and our desires, and sometimes they outweigh us our desire to please God. So we have to understand this: Our trail of sin, our own trail of sin, begins and it ends with pride. Our trail of sin, it, it begins and it ends with pride. This is true. On a personal level, this is true for us personally. But this is also true of us as a people, as a nation, as Americans, as Christians, as people. That's true. So personally, we struggle with things like sexual sin. We we struggle with lying. We struggle with pride. We struggle with idolatry. You name it, we've all struggled with something along the points of our life. And as a people, as a nation... It's become more uh, common to accept sins as normal. You know, Things that the Bible calls sin, we mask them under the banner of you know, in- inclusivity. See, we have, as a people, we have normalized sexual sin. We've normalized abortion. We've normalized idolatry. You know, in our nation, it's normal... Let me step a little closer so I can step on some toes. Uh, In our nation, it's normal. It's normal to be homosexual. It's normal to worship your favorite band or singer or celebrity. I mean, heck, we have a show called American Idol. It's okay to get an abortion because you made a mistake when you were younger, and you shouldn't have to suffer the consequences that you made and your youthful actions the rest of your life. It's okay to do that. And speaking of abortion... Praise God, the numbers have gone down. But the numbers are still in the hundreds of thousands each year. And actually, in five years alone, there were three million abortions recently. So, yeah, it's great they've gone down, but the numbers don't lie. That's still way too many. That's seen as normal, though. More married couples are getting divorced every year because they're not happy, because they let their pride get in the way, because they stopped communicating, because they got outside of the design that God had for marriage. In fact, it's become so normal that over 50% of the people that get married nowadays are going to get divorced. And that's, that's okay. As a church, not to spare anybody, as a church, we've bought into this lie of moralistic, therapeutic deism, which is just a fancy term of we see God... The purpose of God in our lives is to make us happy. And he's our little genie in the bottle that we can, we can rub the lamp when something goes wrong and he can suddenly fix all our problems. But the problem is that at some point, he doesn't do that, right? At some point, he doesn't answer your prayer because maybe he doesn't need that prayer answer. At some point, he does that. And so what happens is people have bought into this. As Christians, we bought into this. God wants what's best for you. He wants you to have a million dollars and a yacht and a perfect 401k. What happens when that doesn't happen? See, that's why people are turning away from the faith because we've allowed them to to think that that's okay. We've normalized that as a world. And friends, please don't be deceived. If you if what I just described is what you think a relationship with Jesus is, it's not that. It's not that. And now you might be sitting there thinking, my, thank you so much for this information, Mike. I can't wait to tell all of my coworkers and my friends about everything that you've went over today. That's real inspirational, isn't it? So where do we go from here, right? Is there hope? Is there hope? Are we a lost cause? Absolutely not. Let me say that again, absolutely not. We are most certainly not a lost cause. And there is hope. There is grace and there is mercy and His name is Jesus. Okay? Jesus didn't come to this earth and sacrifice Himself so that we couldn't have any hope, so that we were hopeless. He didn't do that. He came so that we could have life. And life in abundance, by the way. He came so that we could have life at its fullest. And guys, life at its fullest is a life that is fully surrendered to God. Life at its fullest is a life that is fully surrendered to God. You see, God understood that we couldn't do this on our own. He understood that. He understood that we were going to mess up, even when we didn't mean to sometimes. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus came to earth. And thankfully for us, we don't just have a God, God who is a God of truth, we also have a God who is a God of grace. We have a God who is full of truth And he's full of grace. So hear me when I say, if you have committed any of those sins I've talked about in the past, there is grace with that. But God desires for us to personally deal with our own sin by giving it to him and letting him do the work of cleaning it up. Let me say that again. God desires for us to personally deal with our sin, first and foremost, by giving it to him and letting him do the work of cleaning it up. Did you guys know we can't clean up our own mess? There's like this mess we call sin. We can't clean that up on our own. It's not up to us. It never has been, never will be. And if you're sitting there right now and you're relying on your own power to clean up your mess that you've created, this trail of sin that you've created, then my friends, you're dealing with pride. And pride is the number one thing standing between you and the way to the path that leads to God. Pride is the number one thing standing in your way. Remember, remember this, our trail of sin begins and ends with pride. Our trail of sin begins and ends with pride. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. It is hard work to give things to God. It's difficult work, but it is essential. When David gave us a really great example, if you look at verse 10 and Psalm 51, it says, God create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God desires for us to take our brokenness and ask him to not only search our hearts, but to give us a clean heart so that we can be fully us to him. That has to be our desire. That must be our desire as we're walking through this life. That has to be our desire, not just on a personal level, but as a people too. This is a daily thing. This has to happen daily. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross Daily, He didn't say, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross when you get baptized. He didn't say, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross once a week. He said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily. This has to happen daily. No more of this moralistic, therapeutic deism. I just love saying that word. But I'm talking a real relationship with him Daily. A real relationship with Him daily. And when you take, when you get to a point where you can pray and you can take these things to Him, it allows you to have a real, breathing, active, moving relationship with God. When we can do this. And that, yeah, like, okay, so here's the good news, okay? Let's just remind ourselves this. Here's the good news He knows we'll mess up. But when we do, He offers us grace. He offers us grace. Not because we deserve it, but because He loves us. And that doesn't mean that we need to keep sinning. Right? We, need to, we need to truly repent of that and turn away from that. But nevertheless, think of it this way. okay? So the Bible says that when we take our sins to, to God, He takes them and He removes them as far as the east is from the west. And here's the thing about that. Here's the good news about that. You can never go far enough east where you're going to suddenly be, be going west, and you can never go far enough west where you're suddenly going east. That's how far God takes our sin and removes it from us. But we have to take it to Him. That's the important part. You must have true repentance personally and as a people. Personally and as a people. Now, speaking as, of as a people, I wanted to read this uh, this is my via, this is a probably a, a Bible verse that maybe if you've been on social media for the past two years uh, within the pandemic that people have uh, put out there and said, you know, hey, if everybody read this and let's do this. But I haven't really seen it happening yet. But this is 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Yes, you're going to hear from the book of Chronicles or two Chronicles, both Chronicles today. So 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. I'm going to start in thir- 13, uh, but typically what you'll see is verse 14. But what we're looking at here is this is Solomon has finished the temple and they've been having a big party and they've been having all this great stuff happening and then God's responding to them. So this is in in God's response to them. Verse 13 says, If I shut the sky so there is no rain, or I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people. So if in your sin you go too far away and I send all these things to you. Verse 14, And my people who bear my name humble themselves pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways then i will hear from heaven forgive their sin and heal their land so if if i send all these terrible things to you to try to remind you to get back on the path and you're still walking down your trail of sin this is exactly what true repentance looks like we need the first we need the what this is the one we're missing most of the time. We need to humble ourselves. We need to pray and seek His face. We need to turn from our evil ways. That, in itself, in a nutshell, is true repentance. That is true repentance. If we can humble ourselves, if we can pray and seek His face and turn from our evil ways. So that's why this week... What we're going to be doing, what we're going to be fasting from and praying for, is we're going to be fasting from network news. We're going to be fasting from network news and we're going to be praying for repentance as a people. We're going to be fasting from network news or whatever news you happen to watch. We're going to be fasting from that. And as we fast from that, we're going to pray for repentance as a people. Like we talked about last week. Turn off the noise. Connect with the Lord spend time with Him if you continue to, to stay in your normal habits and, and if you watch network news or whatever the thing is with all that noise going, if you don't ever turn it off then you'll never truly hear from Him you'll never truly get to know Him because guys there is an endless amount of information that can consume your thoughts there's an endless amount of things that if you don't turn off the noise they will consume you turn off the TV put down the phone put down the tablet put, turn off the computer And ask God to intercede for us on our behalf. Because our world, it's broken. Our world needs repentance. We need repentance. Humble yourself. Seek him. And truly repent. I don't know if you've known this or not. Or if you've noticed this. Over the past couple of years, we've become, even maybe more than that, we've become so divisive. We've become so angry. You're either this or that. There's no in between. But we need to understand this. As the church, as the church, we are supposed to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We are supposed to be the light that shines in the darkness. Understand this, we are the hope that this world needs. Jesus is the hope this world needs. And please, 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 I can't say please enough. Don't buy into the poison of anger and divisiveness. That's not love. As I close, I wanted to go back to what I what I closed with last week, and the same question. And I want us all to wrestle with this: What is discipling you? What is discipling you? Is it Fox News? Is it CNN? Is it Facebook? Is it TikTok? Is it Twitter? Is it the Republican Party? Is it the Democratic Party? Is it your favorite celebrity? Maybe maybe what's been discipling you is the favorite self-help book that you have from a certain celebrity. Guys, it's time that we got into the real self-help book again. It's time that we opened this up and that we spent time with God to hear Him and to know Him better and to pray for repentance as a people. You have to ask yourself, when you ask this question, what is discipling you? A good indicator is does everything, every decision you make, does it revolve around WWJD? What would Jesus do? Does it revolve around that? Are you letting this world disciple you? The things of this world disciple you? Or are you letting the creator of the universe disciple you? Wrestle with this this week as you pray. I, I beg you to do this because Jesus needs to be the one discipling us. Not this world, not the news, nothing. And we're not going to hear from him if we don't turn off the noise and pray to him. And as we fast from network news this week for repentance, as a people, spend time in prayer with him. Get to know him better. And let's continue the work that we started last week. Of knowing and hearing from Him more, as you guys stand, we're uh, we're gonna sing to our awesome God, Father. We are we come to you as a personally and as a people, God. We come to you broken, in whatever shape we're in right now, God, and we pray. For repentance, true repentance today not just saying a prayer and letting it go but every day God every day allow us to deny ourselves and follow you God we pray I pray personally over anybody who is online or watching this or here in the room if they're struggling with a sin if they're on their own trail of sin God would you open their eyes and have them turn and repent of that, God. I pray that as we as we fast from the network news this week, and as we pray for repentance as a people, that you would allow us to continue to see you move every day, every week, every hour. God, as we throw ourselves on your on, throw ourselves on your altar. God, I pray that. You would allow us to align our lives around You. Every decision, everything we do, everything we say, everything is revolving around what You would do and what You would want us to do. God, allow us to find the path of life, the trail of life, not the trail of sin. Thank You for meeting with us. We thank You for Your grace, for Your mercy, for Your and for your faithful love, God. I pray that you hear us as we sing. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.